Welcome to Yahoo Presents. We are joined by Rishma Sujani, founder of Girls Who Code, an international nonprofit organization and pay-up author. Thank you, Danny, for having me. Let's start with your new book. It's called Pay Up, The Future of Women and Work and Why It's Different Than You Think. What made you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to write this down. I want to get all my thoughts in place and really make a change in what is the workplace now? Because I think we have an enormous opportunity. You know, workplaces have never been built for women. And so many working women found themselves in COVID without childcare, you know, with managers who didn't get it, uh, with spouses who weren't doing their part. And that's why you saw almost 2 million women leave the workforce. It's why women are in crisis. It's why 51% of working women say they're anxious and depressed. And so I think that we have a once in a lifetime opportunity to change and to transform workplaces. In your book, you lay out the four key processes necessary to transform essentially the workplace environment. Can you discuss a little bit about those processes? Sure, you know, the first is empower. You know, we have to empower ourselves and that means setting up tangible boundaries. So for example, in my house, you know, I have two little ones and my husband does the nights and I do the mornings. So if I'm sitting around at 6 p.m. watching Netflix, invariably my husband will be like, hey, can you warm up the bottle or change the diaper? And so I gotta leave at six. And so I'll make a girl's date or I'll go have dinner by myself. But the whole point is, is I'm out. I've set a boundary. The second thing is we have to transform our workplaces, which means educating our employers. You know, a great example of this is that it's time for companies to start subsidizing childcare. So many, so many companies will, will pay for you to freeze your eggs, will pay for your gym membership. But when you become a working mom, that support, it's gone. The third thing that we have to do is we have to revise culture. We have to start valuing motherhood. So many working women I know, when they get, become pregnant, they wait to the last possible moment to tell their employer, right? If they have to take their kid to a pediatrician, uh, they'll put on their calendar, you know, networking lunch. We have to mother out loud. That is our opportunity. And finally, we got to advocate for ourselves. You know, we can't wait for Congress to, to grow a heart, I like to say. You know, in Washington, they're, they're bail, bailing out airlines, but they're not bailing out moms. We got to go to the ballot box and we got to fight for paid leave, for affordable childcare, for the child tax credit. Like, this is our opportunity. And, you know, Danny, why I say that there's an opportunity, as you know, the jobs report came out and the U.S. has the most amount of jobs open in the history of our nation. It is a seller's market. We have leverage as women because employers are desperate for talent. So there's, there's ever been a time to demand change. That time is now. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that, right? Let's talk about the current workforce environment right now. You know, the pandemic really exacerbated some of the cracks in the infrastructure, you know, but there's also that flip side of the burnout, right? Like women had to essentially, like you said, juggle it all, right? And be a mom, also a teacher at the same time and, you know, be a, an employer, you know, employee, excuse me. So what is it really going to take to reform the infrastructure post-pandemic. Yeah, I mean, listen, COVID broke the doors off of, you know, what was already breaking. 
you know, we were always hanging by a balance. When we started COVID, we were 51% of the labor force, you know, and now we're back where we were in 1989. So many women had to exit the workforce or downshift their careers because they didn't have a support structure in place. You know, one of the things I talk about in my book, Pay Up, is that all of us kind of bought into the, to the big lie of corporate feminism. I certainly did. You know, I spent 10 years telling my students and telling young women to barnstorm the corner office, to lean in real hard, to girl boss their way to the top, that there was just an express train waiting for them. And in COVID, I found myself with two little kids trying to run an organization and it nearly broke me. And I have resources. And so what I learned the hard way is that having it all is just a euphemism for doing it all that you can't color code your calendar and take another leadership class or get a mentor, that that is not the type of support we need. We have to stop trying to fix the woman and fix the system. And so COVID taught us that we've got to fix the system if we ever have a shot at equality. Let's talk about those resources to really fuel the woman to go back because it's been two years, right? And there's been some change, right? We're kind of in the endemic phase of things, right? What is it really going to take for that mom who had to deal with all of this for two years now to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to step back into the office. I'm going to go put myself first this time because for two years they didn't. Yeah. Look, I talk about nine strategies in my book, but I want to talk to you about three. So the first thing is subsidizing childcare. When you, when you survey women, you say, why aren't you going back to labor force? It's because childcare is too expensive. Most Americans pay more for their childcare than they pay for their mortgage. Women will already experiencing, you know, a motherhood penalty. And so we're constantly balancing the money that we're actually getting and the cost of our childcare. Most of the times it doesn't line up. 10% of companies right now subsidize childcare. We got to get to hundred percent. The cost of attrition is actually higher than if you started paying for our childcare. So the first thing that needs to change is that. Companies have to start subsidizing childcare to make economic sense for women to return back to work. The second thing is, is companies got to focus on our mental health. You know, the CDC re- released a study which showed that the two subgroups that are experiencing the most amount of burnt out are 18 to 24 year olds and moms. We thought that moms would never break. Almost every mom I know is broken. So we need our employers to focus on more than just our output but to focus and support our mental health. You know, the the third thing that's really important, you know, when when we talk about why so many moms burnt out during COVID, it's because we were doing all the domestic labor at home while we were maintaining our job. That's two and a half jobs for most women. So the opportunity for us in this moment is to figure out how do we change the gender dynamic of unpaid labor at home, which is mostly done, 86% of women are doing that work. The vast majority of caretakers are women. A policy change that we can make to change that is gender neutral paid leave, is having companies mandate parental leave. I think about, again, my own marriage. You know, I married the guy that did the cooking and the cleaning and all of it, right? And then we had a kid and my to-do list went like this and his went like this because I was able to take paid leave and he didn't. And so, so many relationships that start off equal become unequal because of corporate policies on paid leave. We have to change that. I'm going to ask you something on the kind of the psychology side, right? 
mom guilt. I think that is something we hear, right? It's a common phrase. I know that I hear it among my friends, you know, the mom guilt, right? Do I stay home with the kids or do I go to work? You know, what's your best advice when you're tackling that subject? Because I feel like it's it's hard, right? It's a hard decision at times. It's really hard. And I, well, the first thing I say is give yourself some grace. You know, we have been traumatized over the past two years. And so give yourself a beat. And so part of that means is like, you know, we are so burdened by perfectionism and social media does not help. You know, when you when you go online, it almost seems like everybody is having the perfect family vacation and the perfect kids and the perfect experience. And you think about, well, what about me? You know, we live in a moment of intensive parenting. Our kid is supposed to learn Chinese, you know, Hindi and Spanish. You know, all the while we're, you know, the CEO of our organization and having a blog and baking some banana bread. It's crazy. And so it's why we have this guilt. And we also kind of live in a society, and this is uniquely American, that says motherhood's a choice. You don't get support from the government, your employers, your partners, because you cho chose to be a mom. So it's on you. And so we have to change that narrative. And that deeply means changing not just policy, but changing culture. We're yeah. made to feel guilty. <laughs> I mean, literally. Yeah, I, I, you, I think you nailed it, right? Just, just amongst, you know, just conversation, obviously, with my friends, I definitely sense that, right? I wanted to sit, shift gears just a little bit. You know, you called yourself a, a financial feminist, right? And I wanted to talk to you about cryptocurrency because some people call it a boy's world, which is very similar to tech. Do you believe that more needs to be done in to educate women specifically on different types of financial assets that they could really invest in? Because I think that's also another aspect to all of this, right? Yeah, financial freedom. I mean, my husband and I actually have a show called Debrowing Crypto for this exact reason. Because, you know, I spent 10 years making sure that, you know, girls were and people of color were not left out of, of Web 2. And I'm certainly not going to do that for Web 3. Meaning like I want my students, my, my, my young girls to own it. And so that means, you know, getting more young women, getting more people of color uh, into crypto, you know what I mean, into Web3. And, and I think that that's happening. You know, they say that, you know, more women are crypto curious, you know, that, than men. So, so I think that we have a lot of opportunity. But yes, I, th I, I think that having the financial freedom you know, it is really important having knowledge, having experience, but it's also about making sure, you know, one of the things that was wild when I was writing this book is, you know, I've been fighting for pay, uh, pay equity for so long. And until I started digging into the numbers, I didn't realize that the pay gap is between mothers and fathers. There's virtually no pay gap between childless women and childless men. So the pay discrimination, the inequity comes about when you have a child. Suddenly, when you're a mom, all of a sudden, you're not committed to your career. You're not focused. You know what I mean? You suddenly are not operating with the same performance. And it's a different thing for men. So, you know, it's not just, again, about fixing the woman and giving you more knowledge and giving you more information and taking another course and learning how to invest or become a VC or even learning more about crypto. It's about fixing the structures that are put into place that discriminate against us. Thank you so much for joining us. That was Rishma Sojani, founder of Girls Who Code, a nonprofit organization and author of a new book called Pay Up.